Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, welcome along. It's a brand new episode of Writer's Routine, the first one of a brand new year. And this week we're chatting to Rosanna Amaka. Her debut is The Book of Echoes. It's a story 20 years in the making. Now, we talk about how the place where she wrote it hugely affected how she wrote it. Also, what changes she made to the story across two decades of writing it and how she got on with storytelling through the day and what really drove her. If something really exciting is happening in the story and I just can't wait to get back to it, it that, that's what um, propels what the speed of my writing more than, you know, or whether it's something that needs to take time to, you know, that you need to develop and grow and stew, then it's more what's happening in the story that actually dictates the speed of of how I write, oh, the speed at which I write. There is more on the way with Rosanna Amaka in this week's Writer's Routine. Yes. Welcome along. Welcome back. My name's Dan Simpson. Thank you for being there. Uh, This is a brand new episode for a brand new year uh, in Writer's Routine. Thank you for bearing with us through a, a sparse December and thank you for new Patreon backers. It was a very nice holiday post-Christmas New Year bonus treat. Really appreciate it. A very pleasant surprise. Uh, this is the show where we take a look through the working day, the lives, the ideas, the plots, the plans of some of the world's best authors. Now, this year, you've got uh, interviews with memoirists. Memoirists? those who write memoirs they're coming on also psychological thriller authors you've got comedy writers and some of the biggest names around to look forward to and we're starting things off with an inspirational debut author and a book that is 20 years in the making Rosanna Amarka's first novel it's called The Book of Echoes it's been shortlisted for the Authors Club First Novel Award the RSL Christopher Bland Prize and the HWA Debut Crown Award it's all about Michael who is 16 years old who keeps falling into trouble and then falls for Ngozi a young Nigerian immigrant and they embark on a love-struck adventure together. It's told through different times, and it's narrated by the spirit of an African slave. Now, there's a lot to it, and we talk all about it, about the idea, what Rosanna originally wanted it to be 20 years ago, before she finally got it published. We also talk about her journey to publication, how she managed to keep going and keep pushing and striving throughout two decades. 
We also talk about Brixton, which is a part of South London where she lives and, and how much that affected her creativity while she was writing and how much she thinks it affects other people's creativity just by living in the area. It's a brilliant, inspirational way, I think, to start the new year, to get into 2020. So let's get to it with what Rosanna Amarcus sees around her in the place where she sits down to write. Um, I see the kitchen. <laughs> I write at the kitchen table, facing the kitchen. Take us through the kitchen. So d- describe what's around us. Um, it's a galley kitchen with a, with a, a, a table at the end of it. So, um, yeah, just the kitchen table. So I put my stuff on there when I'm ready to read, um, write, sorry. And I take my stuff off when, um, when I'm done, pack it away. Kitchens are an odd space, aren't they? Because they're both functional, they're both family, they're, they're food. How, when you sit on your kitchen table, how do you make it the space where you're going to be creative, where you're going to write? Well, I'm I'm quite a disorganised person. So, um, as I said, I, I put all my stuff in a pile and I put it away in a corner and then I pick up my stuff and put it on the table and spread it around. <laughs> what is that stuff? Take us through that. What, what are you spreading? Um, my computer, um, books that um, I might be using for research, writing pads where I've written bits and pieces in. Um, yeah, just general, yeah, just general research stuff, general notes that I've made, things like that. Is there anything inspirational around you? Creative pictures maybe that just keep you on track? No, because um, I usually, once I get into the writing, I usually get lost in the story. So I don't need those things around me because it's all going on. All the action is going on in my head, in my head. Um, I'm amazed, like I'm really fascinated by the stuff around you. I don't know, that's a weird quirk of mine. That like the the plotting and the planning of, of your writing. Yeah. How much of it exists in a physical form? like an outline, like a spreadsheet or something, or is it all just in your head? When I first start writing the story, it's, it's, it just all comes out of my head. The actual plotting and planning comes in the, um, in the next stage after I've started the story and, 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 and I've actually got something that I can rearrange and, and put into an actual story. Um, amazing. We're going to come to that. The laptop that you plonk on your kitchen desk, we get yeah, quite niche. Uh, what's what are you writing on? And also, how, what font opinions do you have? I have no font opinions. <laughs> um, I just use what comes up. Um, uh, the font only comes into it when I actually have to send it out. So I make sure it's the right font size and right type set that um, my agent likes or whoever wants to read it, I'm sending it to likes. But um, when I'm writing, I, I'm just so focused on getting the words out that that's not really the first. I think it comes in the second draft that I actually just need to make it big enough for me to to see. Now, you are um, from South London. The book is very South London as well. South London uh, and kind of the Brixton area is a, traditionally is a place of hustle. It's a place of bustle. It's a place of noise and busyness. Uh, how do you 
get into the zone. You say that you lose yourself in your writing. Uh, how do, how distracting can everything else be sometimes for you? Um, when the story is going on in my head, because I'm, sometimes I write outside as well, because I find that quite um, inspirational, just um, sitting in a park or sitting on a bench and, and watching people go by. That also helps with the writing process as well and helps with the creativity. But um, you're talking about Brixton itself is quite creative and it's full of characters. Um, just places are always full of characters. So that can be quite inspirational as well. Now, in London, Brixton is an area that has notably gone through uh, a process of gentrification. Um, how have you noticed the vibrancy and the creativity and its community feel change through the last 20, 30 years? This, is, this isn't really to do with your writing routine, but it's, it kind of touches on what, what the book is themed through. Uh, just h- how much have, have you noticed stuff change from a creative uh, perspective? Oh, it. well, I've always known Brixton to be creative. Um, right back from time, there was always um, poetry clubs to go to. Um, there was always um, the um, Ritzy Theatre, something going on there, whether it was a theatre or it eventually became cinema. Um, there was always something happening there. There was always um, people around either um, campaigning or about um, something you know, there's all the Socialist Party. There's, there was always something, you know, creative, either in a political sense, creative in an artistic sense. It's always been somewhere that I've associated with creativity. Music It's quite a vibrant place. How inspiring are those external factors to you as a creative person writing? I guess the question is, and it's probably you know, it might be quite a naive, lame one, but do you think an area like Brixton can make even those who aren't traditionally creative do something a bit out of the ordinary? I I think so, because there's such diversity in the area. It's not monolithic. So, um, yeah, it's, um, it's, it, there's so many different types of, of people there that, yeah, it can inspire you, I think, or it did inspire me at the time i i think that as uh, with gentrification that is changing it's not not as diverse as it used to be but it still has some diversity yeah so i usually wake up um early um about six o'clock and um i get in about uh, an hour's about an hour to an hour and a half um working then um my actual um chores start, um, you know, um, doing the washing up and all the other things that I need to do for the household and and chauffeuring people around that I need to chauffeur around. Um, and then my, um, my day usually ends after I've done all that through the day, usually ends with um, another um, hour and a half of writing and then I go to bed. So you've got about three hours work there. Yeah. How do you find... Your, your your output, I guess, quality and quantity. How do you find it changes between the morning and the evening session? 
I think that in terms, it depends on what's actually happening in the story. If it's uh, if it's if something really exciting is happening in the story, and I just can't wait to get back to it, it that, that's what um, propels what the speed of my writing more than you know, or whether it's something that needs to take time to you know that you need to develop and grow and stew. Then it's more what's happening in the story that actually dictates the speed of uh, of how I write, or the speed at which I write. Writing so early in the morning, I, th- I think some people, when they listen to this podcast and other shows where they hear you, uh, people who are good at working early in the morning, uh, imagine them all to be like buzzing Duracell bunnies that are up, that are ready to go. What's the reality of it, Rosanna? When you're sat there at six o'clock or whenever it is early in the morning when you are writing, how how much of a struggle is it sometimes just to get the words out through a tired fug? Um, well, it is a struggle, but you just have to just, even if you, even, even if it doesn't come out, I just start writing, even after I'm writing nonsense. And after a while, I start, it starts to flow. I delete some of it after a while, but at least once you start to write, you know, if you're in that zone of writing and and seeing the the story eventually comes back to you. Mm -hmm. In the moments when it is a bit of a struggle, uh, uh, you've mentioned writing nonsense. Is there anything else that you do just to help the words come to unclog the block if there is one any little quirks here and there um yeah i i when i'm blocked i read back what i have written what the story is so far and i sit back and and start to put myself back into the story again and 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 meet the characters and talk to them and then then the thread takes up takes a takes on well the i so I take up the story from there once I meet them again and that we start talking. When, when you start writing every day, uh, how much is there an aim for what you want to work on, both in uh, maybe points of the story? Is there a word count? How do you know what's getting done? Well, it depends on what stage that you are in in, in the process. I, I I marvel at people that can get two thousand words written in a day. I I don't write like that. Um, I I don't write according to number of words. I write according to the story. So it takes me a lot longer to to write a novel than somebody else. But at the end of the day, um, you just got to go with what works for you. And when you're finished that day, uh, how, how much is it lingering with you? How good are you at switching off before you have to start work again the next morning? If I'm allowed to, then I'm not very good at switching off. But there's usually something going on in the household that um, <laughs> forces me to switch off. Now, you, um, you spent 20 years working on this book. You, um, you, you were rejected from agents and publishers a- a- along the way. Can you just tell us the story? Because we've got a lot of writers listening who will be in the position that you were a few years ago uh, can you just run us through the story of of how it finally happened for you how this got published yeah um what had happened is that um i think it was it i got to um 20 i think it was at 2017 and i said to myself okay um just do a final rewrite and you're going to send it out 
and then um, after you after this, then we'll go start. We'll go down the um, self publishing route. So um, I re- did the fine. I did another redraft of it. Um, sent it out um, again and got a whole load of um, rejections. So I thought to myself, uh, you know, I'm just just going to self-publish this. So I started getting the document ready for self-publishing. Um, I even had a, a, a cover designed. Um, and um, I was I sat down at the table and I was just, I thought, as I was getting it ready, I just thought, Oh, I came across a letter that I'd written 20 years ago to um, a publisher and I read it. And at the end of it, they said, keep in touch. And I thought, should I keep in touch? Should I not? And I thought, what have I actually got to lose? So um, so I phoned up the publisher and said, um, I phoned up the publisher and um, I got through to the answer machine. And I left a, a message on the answer machine which said, um, and I introduced myself and said, um, you, you said I should keep in touch. And um, somebody from the, um, heard the, the message and phoned me back and said, well, what are you talking about, about this letter from 20 years ago about being in touch? And I, I said, oh, um, well, I can send you a copy of the letter. And, and meanwhile, while I send you a copy of that letter, can I, can, I'll, can I also send you f- free chapters of, of the novel and a, a little bit about myself? So I sent that through, through, through to them and um, I didn't hear from them. And um, I think three months later, when I had at the date that I decided that actually I'm going to self-publish it that day, um, as I was, um, I had the ISBN number, everything ready to go. And as I was about to press, an email came in and said, um, we've just read these three chapters, Um, interested, um, can you send us some um, synopsis and everything else? Sent that through to them. They got back to me and said, okay, I'm going to put you on to somebody else within the publishing um, agency. And um, so they put me through and they said, um, yeah, we'll find you. um, You need to get an agent. So they helped me find an agent, Um, found my agent um, um, at the um, Good Literary Agency. And um, from there, it just went bam, bam. And um, by the September I had a publisher. Now, many, what's interesting, many people, I think, if, they, if they'd been working on a story for 20 odd years and had some rejections along the way, might have gone on to something else. I said, you know what, maybe this is the, the, the top, the bottom draw book, the, the one that I'm just going to put away and I'll start working and maybe that works for me. Um, what was it about this story that made you feel, hang on, this is good, I've worked hard and this needs to be published. One, I had, I think that I fell in love with it, I think, and I had my heart in the story. That's one. Two, I had a good support network and um, I had given the book to um, members of my family who and friends and they had read it and said, no, you have to keep going. This needs to be published. So um, it, it was that I I felt that this was a story that needed to that I needed to tell, but also I had a good support network. Now we'll get properly into the book in just a sec. I'm just wondering when when 
as you said, working on this book for quite a long time, then it gets to the point where it is finally pub- be about to be published. How much, like what changed at that point when you've got a, a more professional uh, a team behind you that have published books before, that have edited, that have read these things through? How much did the copy that we see change uh between that and, and the one that you gave to them that, you, that you'd been working on for 20 odd years? Um, I think it's, it's, it, they give you a different perspective. Um, they are in the industry. They're there to give you pointers of what the, of what certain readers are looking for. But whereas I had originally written the book for myself and for friends and family who would have bought the book, they came in more with, um, what edits that I needed to do in order to make it more, um, yeah, more in line with, yeah. So I think they just give a more professional overview. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. We'll be back with Rosanna in just a sec. Uh, Very quickly, I mentioned it earlier. Thank you so much to new Patreon backers that joined us over the holidays. It was a nice New Year surprise. Uh, Part of our writing community we've got going on over there. If you'd like to be part of it, if you'd like to get more content, if you'd like to support the show, you can get a chance for your book to sponsor the show. If maybe it's been published in the last mess of a couple of years and it's not really gone how you thought it would, let me give it the big old plug that I am absolutely sure your work deserves. And you can just support the show. You can support us for bringing you chats with as many different authors as we can once, sometimes even twice a week. If you'd like to see that carry on through 2022, please do think about supporting. Please do think about supporting the show, becoming a backer. Doesn't cost a lot, just a few dollars or so every month. I'd love to have you on board to have you part of our writing community there. To get involved, it's patreon.com forward slash writers routine. 
Let's get back to it then with Rosanna Amarka talking about her debut novel that has been 20 years in the making. It's called The Book of Echoes. It's all about Michael, 16 years old, normally up to no good, and he falls in love with Ngozi, an immigrant. And it's there about their story across many different times. In this part, we talk about plotting and planning and how she likes letting her story unfold. Also, if whether after 20 years of writing the book, it was easy to finally finish off the last draft to write the end for the final time. We find out how she found that. And we pick things up talking about what she wanted the story to be two decades ago. What was her original intention? Well, when I originally started to write the book, I didn't really know what I was writing. It was a challenge originally, challenged myself to write a book. But as um, time went on and I, I after I'd finished writing the first draft um it it was it was it was a story that as as i said i i sat down and challenged myself but i was also away from from um working but there was also at the time things that were going on around me whether it's about um negative statistics about black people and stereotypes and so there was things that i was addressing within the book um, and and I think that um, the overall story, which is more a global story, even though so it's the the story can be read in just pure entertainment, and I call that more a uh, uh, macro level. But there's also the global issues that were going on around me, as I said, statistics and um, stereotypes that I was also trying to address. So I I think that the book does that. Now we're getting into the book now. So you set yourself this challenge, you wanted to write a book, uh, but you need a plot. You're reading statistics, you need a a, a plot to drive this, this, this theme, this message. Tell us about the moment where you first had the idea for what that plot was going to be. I think it was in the, in the second draft. Once I had the story, so I started with Michael. Michael told me the story, his story, and Gozzi told me her story. The narrator came in and said, okay, I want to tell both of their, their stories. And then once you got all that down, you have to sit back and see see it in a more holistic way point of where exactly what this story is and what it's trying to say and then you restructure it and rewrite and redraft even before that so you you mentioned michael sat down and told you his story gozi did the same the the narrator did the same these these where where are these three characters coming from Uh, uh, why why are they the ones that are calling to you telling you the story well, um, I think with Michael, what happened um, with him is that, as I said, I was away from home and I was working in um, in in Scotland at the time. And um, he, he was kind of like homesick. So I was feeling homesick. So I was calling up bits of characters of people that I knew at home. But once I started calling up those characters, he actually developed into a real whole character himself so that's how he came about um and then the same thing with Ngozi and um as I said as as those two developed uh, in my head 
it sounds a bit crazy, <laughs> but I can <laughs> assure you, I don't. I'm not aware that I am crazy. But um, yeah, the um, narrator came along and, and said to me that um, actually I want to tell this story, and th- there was an advantage as well that I saw in her telling the story that she could oversee, she could see more of what was going on, and she could comment and. So when when you first had this challenge to yourself that you wanted to write a story and you you, you had an idea of the kind of message you wanted to show with with news stories that you're reading with statistics when you, when you sat there on that very first day and started typing what do you remember about what you were writing at that point um what the hell am i doing <laughs> <laughs> I remember thinking, what the hell am I doing? How do I do this? Um, what's this about? And I just started typing. And, and, and at that point, did you know Michael and Ngozi and, and, and Lorraine? No, I didn't. I didn't. I just started typing. That's amazing, isn't it? The, um, the idea that at that point, it's almost plotless. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, quite a, it's quite a decision to have... You know what is is a, is a romantic story between two characters narrated by um, an African woman who's lost her life. At what point, like you said earlier, look, I'm not crazy. This just came to me. Uh, how much kind of wrangling did you do with yourself with making that decision that this was the person who needed to tell these two lovers' stories? Well, I think if you're in the process of writing and you're letting, as as the characters come to you and you are you're there letting the story unfold, then it's it's not a matter of challenging it. You just let the story unfold. And we we've talked about the different stages of your writing, uh, and you said that the the, the the plot really comes to the fore in the second stage. So at the end of that first draft that you've done, what, what, what do you remember being left with? Like in what form was it? What did it look like? What, what story did it tell? Just try and take us through that. Well, I was left with the skeleton of the story that you see now. So Michael was there. Gozzi was there um, and the narrator was there but the, it hadn't uh, but the meat hadn't been put on the bone, bones yet so I the, the, the without realizing as, as the, the plot was there um, as as I developed it over the six months but it's not something that I consciously sat down and said okay um, Michael's going to do this and Gozzi's going to do that no I just let them develop and um and 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 it came how were you putting the messages and well the themes of the story into it a bit sometimes themes can can come across quite strong and can be put off for a readership obviously um what you're talking about is 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 much needed how conscious were you to put this theme in the story in a readable relatable way for an audience and how did you do that well, you've got to remember that when I first started writing this book, as I said, it was a challenge. So I wasn't even thinking of being published. <laughs> so this book was originally written for me and the things that I wanted to address and, and, and the things that... Um, so 
it, it wasn't, I wasn't thinking that this was for an audience. It was the things that I felt that needed to be addressed as I wrote it. Some people are good at, at plotting and setting out their story right from the beginning and, and they do go from A, B, C, D. So they've mapped it out well. And there's other people that just that allows the story to unfold. Um, there are advantages and disadvantages to that in that it might take you a lot longer to write the story um, if you just let the story unfold um, as opposed to going from ABC. During that first draft, how mm-hmm. much did you know about how the story would unfold? How much did you know what was coming next? At what point did you realise perhaps how this might finish? Um, I didn't. I just went on a journey with the characters. I love that. I love the fact that that's the way the, 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 that this is how writing works for so many different people. There, there's there's so many like, different ways to tell a tale. I guess. I think. I think obviously maybe on on there um subconsciously or as I said there was issues that I was trying to address and in writing some of the, those story in writing the story they addressed those issues so on on maybe on a craft level and on a technical level separate from just enjoying the story that um the story answers some of those questions that i had at the time but um there was the other side where i would just let in the story unfold what were those questions that you had at the time as I said about, um, as I said, there was quite a few negative stories around about black people and statistics and things like that. Whereas on the ground level within the, my life and the people that I was seeing, yes, they were going through tough times and things were difficult, but they were overcoming things were, you know, so I, so I wanted to, in that story, address that, yes, life is difficult. Things can be difficult. But um, there is hope and there is love and there's community and, and those things can bring you through. Talking about the words on the page, it's written in a very prosaic, uh, very attractive, I would say, style. How much thought did you give to the next word that was coming as you were writing? How perfect did that word have to be? I think that came in the um, second and third and fourth draft. The first draft was just getting it out. So I wasn't um, thinking about how attractive it was or not attractive. I just had to get the story out. And then in the subsequent redrafts and um, rewrites, that's when that came in. How many drafts and rewrites were there? Oh, gosh. Over 20 years, quite a few. (laughs) (laughs) Towards the end, on the 17th, 18th, 19th year of rewrites, uh, what was changing every time? As you said, some of, some of the, the language was changing. Um, I think I was, it was becoming more um, poetic and um, so lots of that changed. Um, some of the meat in the, um, in the um, story was filled out. Um, as, I went to, uh, as I went along, some more of the um, historic facts that I was finding out as I was working and, and um, researching and going to museums and art galleries and traveling that more of that was um was coming into the book as well when you've worked on something for 20 years and rewritten it many many times how easy is it to type the end and send off that final copy um i always it'd be right from the beginning of the um 
of the of the first draft, the end has always been, you know, the end. So it was, wasn't difficult to type the end. What was difficult was finding out is getting the rejects and trying to learn what it and, and trying to improve it so that I could actually get a positive yes. <laughs> and and I, and I guess lastly, you you wrote this book over the course of as we've mentioned twenty years. I would imagine you might not have that liberty for the next book that you probably should contracted into write. Um, how, how are you going to, maybe you have approached that, maybe you, you've already got it, but how are you approaching the, the, the second book and getting it done in a much quicker time uh, and, and I guess being more refined with your routine? Well, I mean, the, the, I, the, the thing with the, as I said, the thing with the first book is it took me six months to write, but it took me 20 years of, of, of keep, of keeping going and rejections and redrafting to get there. Whereas with this one, it's actually taken my second book. It's taken me longer to write, to get to the first draft. So longer than the six months, but it's shorter than the 20 years, because as you said, I've, I've got a second, a, a two book contract so I've got I've got it's in line if you know what I mean so it's definitely not going to take 20 years (laughs) how easy was that for you when you when you've spent so long with characters and with one plot line to park that and work on something new you said that you've taken more time on the first draft this time round. what's going on um, as I said, it, it took me longer to, to write, but I don't think it, it as I said, it's not going to be, so it takes me, it's taken me longer than six months to write, but it's not going to take, it's not taken the 20 years that the other one took me because, uh, you know, as I said, with the second one, I've actually got a contract, but, um, but I've enjoy, I'm enjoying the process of writing the second one and I, I hope people will enjoy reading it when it's eventually out there. And that is it for this week's Writer's Routine. Thank you so much to Rosanna for coming on the show. I'm sorry it took a little while to get the episode out. Um, and I'm sorry for you. Thank, well, thank you for bearing with us uh, over, as I say, a fairly sparse December a lot of things going on we've got a lot coming up in the new year though so if you don't follow the show give it a go then the podcasts will automatically download every week maybe even twice a week as well if you'd like to see more from us make sure you back us on patreon for exclusive bonus content for merch there's even a way to get your book to sponsor the show at patreon.com forward slash writers routine If you've learned anything along the way, you can always leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if that's how you're listening. Or if you're part of another writing community, if you're part of a book club, something like that, a writer's retreat, uh, let them know about it. It's always good to have people who need the advice of our authors get the advice of our authors. Now, next week, we're chatting to Sarah Alderson about her new novel called The Stalker. Sarah has written for Netflix. She's written YA. She's written Romance. And she'll tell us more about everything next week with Sarah Alderson on Writer's Routine. I'll see you then. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.